Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. We're taking a break from football this week and turning our attention to red-hot Michigan hoops. Beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News will join us in just a moment. First, a few news and notes to get us going. On Sunday at the team banquet, Jim announced he wasn't going anywhere. That shut down the rumor mill for now. Hopefully, it will help out on the recruiting trail as we close this class out, too. We lost Dax Hill to Alabama over the weekend, which did come as a surprise. Dax never mentioned why he changed his commitment. Chase Winovich was chosen most valuable player by his teammates at the banquet on Sunday. He said he was honored, of course, and the program he is leaving is in great shape with a big future. Michigan basketball is off to one of the best starts in program history and has been a fun team to watch. We are used to Coach B's team struggling early in the season, then peaking in March, so this has been different. My guest today says this Michigan team is playing defense at an elite level, giving the offense time to develop. Beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News is up next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Here with us on our game day segment this week as we start to turn our attention from football to what's going on in basketball, and there's a lot. Beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News. Good to be back, Mike. Well, when the season started, I thought this team would struggle early, get better as the season goes along, and peak in March, which we often see with John Beeline teams. But 10-0, and 0, that is more than a surprise, isn't it, James? I think coming into the season, I felt the same way. I thought it maybe the, the early on it was going to be a struggle, but I thought they were going to rely on their defense kind of as they incorporated some of the new faces, you know, with Ignace Rezdakis and... You know, other guys kind of stepping into bigger roles, you know, Jordan Poole and uh, coming into the starting lineup. Um, and same thing with Pesk, you know, taking over a starting role as opposed to, you know, those guys just being backups. So I thought early on it was kind of going to be ugly. Maybe uh, games were going to be, you know, the offense was maybe going to be trying to find its way. But it seems like um, they've kind of picked right up and, you know, they kind of gelled right away. But I think the one thing that kind of stands out, I think their defense has been even better than I think what maybe most would have been would have anticipated and I think the biggest reason for that is uh John Teske just with uh you know what he's able to do around the rim and his ability to kind of alter and change shots um without drawing fouls but um definitely I didn't I did not see this uh 10-0 start coming especially if you look at kind of how their early season schedule was I think you know most people that that game at Villanova I don't know how many people um expected that type of performance out of Michigan especially the uh you know the the margin that they won by and then um you know, they kind of followed it up with another impressive win uh, at home against North Carolina. Um, so yeah, definitely, uh, I think 10-0, and I mean, that's the only the fourth time in program history where they've uh, won their first 10 games to start, to start the season. So it was uh, definitely, um, you know, I don't think many people anticipate this type of start, but I don't think, uh, you know, I think many people would take it. No, I, I don't think anyone anticipated this kind of start. And as you just mentioned, James, uh, the key through the first 10 games has been a stifling defense which can cover a multitude of offensive sins, let your offense gel and come together. To say that this defense has picked up 
uh, where they left off last year is an understatement. They might even be better. Yeah, I think they are. It's just because, I mean, look, Maurice Wagner was good. I mean, what he, you know, offensively he had a skill set unlike you know any other big man in the nation. But I mean, Charles Matthews said it after one of the games. He, you know, he talked about like you know Mo isn't doing what John Teske is uh, doing at the rim. You know, his ability to block shots and change everything. You know. And just his frame alone, you know, having guys, you know, if they come down the lane, having to shoot over a, a seven foot one guy, if he's, you know, just stand there, kind of absorb the contact and try to finish over him. Um, but then again, I mean, you brought back Xavier Simpson and Charles Matthews, who are arguably two of the better, you know, on ball defenders there, there are in the nation. And then I think Jordan Poole has made strides in that area. And I think his defense has kind of been underrated um, this season. And then at the four, um, I think Ignace Vazdekis has been better than what people might have thought, you know, especially as a freshman, you know, Michigan coach John Beeline always talks about, you know, defense is kind of the one thing that kind of holds freshmen back um, from playing time. But, I mean, you saw it in that in that third game at Villanova when, um, you know, Ignace was guarding Eric Paschal, you know, arguably Villanova's best player, and he kind of gave him a, a tough time all night long. And then he followed it up, um, you know, against North Carolina. He was guarding a preseason All-American in Luke May, and he kind of made it tough on him. I think he only finished 11 points in that game. Um and then again, it's also, you know, another, you know, they had a whole other offseason and a whole other year. And, uh, you know, assistant coach Luke Yark- Luke Yakovich's, uh <laughs> system, you know, him getting their defensive principles down and all that. So, and Isaiah Livers said it to it earlier, you know, they were still trying to, you know, figure everything out and kind of figure out their, you know, their coverages and their switches on ball screens and stuff like that, you know, midway through last season. So it's kind of, you know, they have all that, you know, experience and they kind of have all that settled already in the, into this season. I think you're just starting to see, you know, they kind of just build that up. Well, we all know coaching makes a difference, and you just mentioned uh, Coach Yaklich uh, hired last year to come in as, as people say, a defensive specialist, but come on. I mean, you have to at, at least say now what a difference a great coach can make when he emphasizes something like better defense. Oh, definitely. I mean, the one thing that uh, Luke always emphasizes is they have like a they have certain metrics they want to to meet in every game. And I mean, you talk to the players about what they want to record. And I remember asking Xavier Simpson at big time media day. And he's just like, they chart stuff that you wouldn't even think is chartable. Um, so I think that just speaks to, you know, Luke Yakovich himself. And I guess just how obsessive he is with, with the defense. And the one, the one big stat I know that they always chart is, is contest rate. And I think the North Carolina game or one of the games, it's like they were contesting, you know, 90% of shots. And, after the South Carolina game, Coach Frank Martin was talking about how Michigan has this championship DNA and how, you know, they don't take plays off. And, and defensively, um, how tough it is to just get baskets and to score on Michigan. Mm-hmm. I think that just speaks to Michigan, like every single player's ability, that they don't, they don't need help and that they're able to, to guard their man effectively and they don't let anybody buy, buy them. And I think, you know, obviously that starts with, with Xavier Simpson. And then also it's just every, everybody's connected and they know – and and it also helps, you know, every single guy's able to switch. You know, John Teskey might not get credit for that, but if you look at the end of the Northwestern game, when Northwestern had that final possession, he kind of disrupted that final play by swapping that screen at the top of the key and kind of batted the ball away, and that kind of, you know, took away a crucial second or, you know, or two that kind of forced the, the rush shot from deep on that final shot by Northwestern. So I think it's just, you know, kind of all the players have kind of grown in, in a loop system. I think everybody has grown as a defender, and they all have that have that capability, and they all have that desire uh, to want to defend, and I think that's kind of a trickle down that kind of starts, you know, with Luke Yaklich, and then it kind of goes through the captains and uh, Xavier Simpson and Charles Matthews. 
Well, before the season started, James, there were questions about this offense. I think we all had them. Would this be a team that could shoot from the perimeter effectively from three-point land? Would they be a team that attacked the lane? So far, the answer is they can do both and pretty well so far. Yeah, I think I think more so they've they've kind of been like like you said a drive and an attack type of team because they have several guys. I mean, if you look at it, seems like no matter who they have on the floor, they have a couple guys who are able to kind of you know maybe, whether it's late in the shot clock or if something breaks down that they have guys whether it's Ignace Brasdakis or it's Charles Matthews or Xavier Simpson. They have guys that can get into the lane and they can either you know create shots for others or kind of kick out. So I think I think they're more so of like a a driving team. But yeah, they have shown that they can still make the three pointers. And I think. You know, Isaiah Livers, that's kind of been his bread and butter. Is, uh, the same thing as last season, kind of corner three. But then Jordan Poole, I mean, you just look at the last the last kind of five games, he's really taken off. I think he's hit at least four threes in three of the last four games. So he kind of has gotten, you know, more comfortable as being, a you know, that whole playmaking role, facilitating role. He, he talked about after the South Carolina game how he was maybe, you know, passing up shots. He was thinking too much about, you know, what's a, what's a good shot, what's a bad shot, and maybe trying to – too hard to, you know, to get assists rather than, you know, just taking, you know, open shots when he gets them. Um, yeah, so they've, they've shown that they can kind of beat, beat teams in multiple ways. Um, but I think more so, they've, I think their offense, they're more so just going to be this, this kind of attacking, driving team. And that kind of helps open up the threes as opposed to last season where they more show, shot the threes to kind of open up, open up lanes for themselves. Well, James, let's talk about some of the uh, the key players and uh, your take on them through 10 games so far this year. Start with Xavier Simpson. What is he doing better this year? Where does he need to improve? I think the one thing he's doing better is maybe it's just uh, his comfort in the in the system. But if you look at his every game, I think he has at least five assists in every game this season except for one. So I think he's doing a better job at you know kind of spreading the ball. And he's still does a good job at, at attacking attacking the lane and finishing with those kind of running sky hooks or hook shots that he does that are so so tough to block. Um, and I mean, I think he's doing a lot of the same stuff he is last season. It's usually, I mean, if he's getting an open three, he's taking it. And then if not, he's just trying to drive to the lane. I don't really think he's kind of settling for those mid-range jump shots, which I don't think he, he did at all last season. Um, and then still defensively, he's still, you know, that pitbull, that guy that kind of sets the tone for them and, you know, makes life miserable for, for whoever he's guarding. And, you know, you can just look at some of the guys he's guarded this season, you know, Kobe White from North Carolina or Carson Edwards for uh, for Purdue. You know, he just kind of disrupts that offense and kind of helps, you know, kind of, you know, opposing opposing offenses kind of struggle to get into their sets. So I think I think if, if that points to the one thing he's probably doing better, it's um, maybe I think just spreading the ball, like I said, you, you know, just his assist numbers this season are, are much improved from last season. And the thing he can do better is obviously – um, shoot the three. I mean, you saw the Northwestern game where they kind of dared him to shoot and they left him open, you know, those three straight possessions and he missed on all three of those. So I think becoming more of a uh, a perimeter threat, I think, has kind of been something he's been working towards, you know, his entire career at Michigan. But yeah, I just think, I don't think anyone's expecting him to sit there and make, you know, threes a game, but I think if defenses make the choice to kind of sag off him like Northwestern did, I think he just has to be able to, you know, knock down one of those threes to maybe just kind of, you know, take them out of that. Yeah, I know last week Coach B said he was, uh, you know, working at or looking at the angle and the release of uh, of Xavier's shots, the three-point uh, shots. He just looks really uncomfortable out there, though, doesn't he? It's an awkward shot. It is. It, it, he's kind of like, I don't want to say his form's like Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman, but his shot takes time to get off like Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman does. So 
it's not like something where he can just kind of catch and shoot, you know, off a screen or something. Um, it kind of, he kind of needs to be open, um, for him to get it off. But, um, I don't, the one thing I found interesting is that we talked to him, you know, last week and he talked about how he still has confidence in his shot, but he talked about after the Northwestern game, he might've been deterred or discouraged after, you know, maybe he, he missed that first three to, to not shoot again. Um, but he says he has more, more confidence in his shot. So that's why he kept shooting those threes when he was left open. And, and, and coach Beeline said, um, you know, every time he, every time he released it, he thought it was going in and, you know, Coach Bill has seen plenty of shooters throughout his coaching career, and he says he knows. He can typically tell, you know, when someone releases it if it's going to be good or not. And so he was a little befuddled why everything just kept seeming seeming to just be a hair off. You know, Xavier said the same thing on, you know, at least three or four of those threes he shot that game. He thought they were all going in, and they just weren't weren't dropping. So um, I guess that's a positive sign that you know he doesn't feel like there's something wrong. He feels like it's all right on. But um, I mean, I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't think it's, it's kind of been a, an ongoing team throughout his career. I think he's only like a career, like 27% three point shooter. So I don't think he's going to turn into this, you know, 40% three point shooter all the time, but I, I, yeah, I don't know. I just don't think he's, that's his strong suit. I think his strong suit offensively is more so just kind of just getting to the lane, getting by defenders and just uh, his ability to finish at the rim is I guess what his best attribute he brings to the, to the offense. Well, Charles Matthews has been giving us a great D, as always. His offense has been solid, but I get the feeling there's more to come from him offensively this year, James. Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of followed a similar path as last season. He's kind of, you know, had these up-and-down stretches. He kind of got off to a good start early on, and then he's kind of hit a, a few rough spots these past two games. I think Northwestern, he only scored, he only scored three points, and, um, you know, South Carolina followed it up with, with 12 points. Um, but, yeah, I think he's the one thing he, he said coming into the season he wants to show is that he's more of a consistent three-point shooter because that was like, you know, the most common feedback he got when he went through the uh, the NBA draft process. And he wants to, you know, be more of a, a consistent perimeter threat, you know, um, from outside, from three-point range. Um, but, yeah, but I think it's kind of one of those things if you just look at this team, it's kind of going to be a different guy every night. And, you know, you saw it early on. It was it seemed like, you know, Ignace Brezvakis and Charles Matthews, it was kind of – Flipping between those two guys, and then as I alluded to earlier, kind of Jordan Poole's kind of taken off these last five games. So I think it just kind of it just depends on the game and how opponents are playing them, who kind of you know takes over, kind of carries the load that night. And I mean, Charles has shown he's he's shown he's capable of doing so, um, doing that you know you know when when he's called upon. Um, but yeah, definitely I think offensively he has more that he can bring. But the one thing I think that um, that he's shown, it seems like it's been an unblockable shot. If he kind of has that little, that little fadeaway jumper in the, in the lane that he's kind of uh, knocked down early on in the season, which I feel like is pretty, pretty tough for opponents to guard. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, like I said, I just think he kind of, he's going to have his ups and downs like anybody, but I think it's, it's more so just depending on how teams are keying in on him, And it's kind of uh, just Michigan's ability to have, you know, multiple guys kind of step up each, each night. So I think that's maybe what you're seeing with Charles. I think, you know, if people are expecting him to score, you know, 20 points a game, I don't think that's, that's not going to happen, but I mean, he certainly is capable of doing that. Um, and it just depends on how, you know, opponents are, are guarding him and keying in on each guy. Well, I've been so impressed with John Teske so far this year. He's stronger. He's more confident. He's really become a force on both ends of the floor, James, hasn't he? 
Definitely, yeah. I think if you want to, like, looking at this start ahead, if you want to, like, point to maybe who's been the most valuable player, you can certainly make a case for any of the starting five, but I think my pick would be John Teske, just because as we were talking about, I mean, you know, no disrespect to Mo Wagner, but he wasn't doing and not making the type of impact that John Teske is on defense, and that's what this team has been built on through over this, you know, this 10-game start. Um, and then, yes, offensively, he's, you know, you just look at kind of the, the pick and roll. Like, anytime they run a, a high pick and roll, it's either Xavier Simpson or Charles Teske, just how deadly that's been. And it seems like it's been unguardable, I mean, because you have, you know, whoever has the ball, they're, able to, they're capable of just, you know, driving down and scoring. But then even when they dump it off to Teske, he's been able to finish. And he's shown an impressive ability to finish, like, those lob passes around the rim. He, he kind of finished a couple difficult ones um, in the South Carolina game, you know, he's made some, you know, going out and catching them and finishing them off balance and falling to the, falling to the ground. And he's also, you know, shown that he can knock down threes and, you know, coming into the season, he mentioned that that wasn't his role. He was more so just kind of a guy, you know, trying to bet on the glass and extend, you know, get second possessions or, you know, just grab rebounds, but he's shown that he can kind of pop out and knock down, knock down the three, knock down, you know, the perimeter jumper, and he's definitely been more aggressive. And I think if you want to point to a sign of that, you can just look at the Northwestern or the South Carolina game, excuse me, when he got that one bounce pass, like from the free throw line, and he tried to dunk it over a defender when he drew the foul. I mean, I don't, no one would have expected him to even attempt that last season. But I think that just, that just shows, you know, how he's grown as a defender and, you know, what he's able to do on the offensive end. And the one thing is like, that was, you, you can look back to when they, they played um, the, the tip-off tournament in Connecticut. I mean, he could go scoreless one day, but then he could score a career high to 17 and next, and he's still able to make an impact, you know, whether he's scoring or whether he's not. But, but like I said, I think if, if you just want to look at, you know, maybe who might be the most valuable player for the team this season, I think it could be John Teske. And, again, if you just look at – you know, when he was off the floor at Northwestern, um, kind of when Austin Davis was in there, it seemed like every time John Teske was on the bench, that was when Northwestern made a run. And then, you know, just the instant, you know, John Teske checks back in, how different the team is and how quickly everything changes. So he's definitely, the impact he has made on both ends of the floor has been, I think, probably the most critical to Michigan success uh, so far this season. No, I think another critical piece has been Jordan Poole. And he's a kid, you know, I have to say coming into the season, I just wasn't sure about. And I can't say I'm completely sold on him yet, but I thought maybe he'd be a nice piece off the bench. I just didn't know if he would be a go-to kind of a starter. But, you know, the kid has no fear. We know that. He's a scorer. And he's playing much better defense than I expected. He's right now just a flat-out player. Right, yeah. He's made strides in, in all areas. And I think... If you looked at, you know, the roster coming into the season, I thought that Jordan Poole kind of had the most, like if you just, in, in, in terms of statistics, I think he, he was probably the player who had the most, like he would make the biggest leap statistically just because, you know, when he was playing behind Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman, who was playing, you know, 35 minutes a game or something, he had, you know, he would have the biggest opportunity, you know, the, more, the most minutes he would kind of pick up this season. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, early on, like I like we like we were talking about earlier, I think he was kind of adjusting to this role because they want him to be more of a, a facilitator, more of a playmaker. You know, helping 
we all know he can create his own shot, but the, the big key they wanted is for him to, you know, kind of create shots for others. And that was kind of something he was maybe overthinking or thinking about too much early on, you know, trying to figure out, you know, find that balance between, you know, creating for himself and, you know, when's the right chance to, to create for others. But I feel like, you know, if you just look at his stats over the last, eight, the last five games, he's averaging almost 19 points a game. He's shooting, you know, over 60% from the field and from three-point range, which is absurd to think about. Um, and yeah, like you said, he's, he's not fearless. I mean, he shoots these dizzying amount of step back threes, which is, which is crazy. And the range he's shooting them from well behind three point range. I mean, he's shooting it from, you know, three, four feet behind the line. Um, it's absurd, but I, I think, yeah, we just, we have just seen him, you know, he's kind of grown into this, grown into his role, but more importantly, he's kind of grown into this consistent scoring option as of late, you know, when early on, you know, over the first, five games or so it was more so it was you know Ignas Brasdakis and Charles Matthews who were really shouldering the scoring load for the team but I mean Jordan as of late he's kind of shown that he can kind of you know be that consistent third threat that they need and then yeah as we talked about on defense he's definitely grown I mean John Beeline you know mentioned you know he wasn't defense wasn't you know his priority even on his mind much last season you know when he came in you know, he was maybe playing, you know, only 10, 11 minutes a game. So he was more so focused on, you know, putting up shots when he got them because, you know, he didn't know, you know, when his opportunities were really going to come. Um, but, yeah, you look at that at that Purdue game, he kind of made made a play where he contested a guy. He met a guy at the rim after, you know, a blown coverage or a blown defensive assignment, um, drew a charge on Carson Edwards. I mean, I don't think those are, are plays he was making last season, but I think that, you know, speaks to – the you know himself committing himself you know buying into defense but then also you look kind of where it starts I think Xavier Simpson and Charles Matthews they kind of demand people to play defense and it's I mean if you're going to be on the floor with them they're going to expect you to play defense and I think you know you can just look at Jordan Poole the strikes he's made defensively as a as being a primary example of that. Well, the freshman that has just, I think, surprised all of us is uh, Ignis uh, Brasdakis. We knew coming in he was very, very talented. And he is a 20-year-old freshman, so and that does make a difference. Uh, two years, uh, instead of being 18, he's 20, so he's a very seasoned, strong kid. What a start for him, James. Yeah, that was, I mean, coming into the season, I was the guy maybe people thought was going to be the, the sixth man, you know, the first guy off the bench, but then... You know, Isaiah Livers suffered kind of an ankle injury um, in the in the off season or right when practices started up. So that gave you know, you know, Ignas Brzezikis more of a chance to kind of work at the four. And then, if he just fought, he just found this comfort comfort with the you know with the starting unit. So then you know, John Bion just kind of decided to roll with him in, in the starting lineup. But yeah, I mean, he has definitely been as good as advertised. You know, you, if you looked at you know his his clips or any film from, you know, as, as, um, from his high school or from AU or whatever, he has definitely been as good as advertised. And he is another guy who is just, you know, we talked about Jordan Poole being fearless. I mean, Ignaz Brasnikis is not afraid of anybody, whether that's on defense or offense. And I think the, the one thing he does so well is he, he is relentless at attacking the rim. If he gets a step on somebody, he is going in the lane and the one thing I've been impressed about the most with him is just his ability to finish not only through contact, which usually results in him flexing, um, especially if he hits an annual layup, but just his, his ability to finish with either hand at the rim. It is, 
it's pretty incredible to watch whether he, you know, he switches hands, you know, his ability to, you know, if it's coming from the left side to finish with his left hand or if he's driving, you know, to knock down with his right. I mean, if you, you could look at the Northwestern game where he kind of helped. It seemed like he always got a tough basket when Michigan needed it. Um, there was one play where he hit a, you know, a floater with his right hand and then he comes back, back down the next possession and he hits like, you know, a fall away baseline jumper, you know, obviously he's left-handed. So, um, his ambidextrous ability is really, really incredible to watch. Um, and as I just alluded to, the one thing, too, that he seems to have a knack for is when Michigan kind of is – their offense is maybe struggling or they seem like they're desperate for a shot, he seems to be the guy who – I don't know if he puts it upon himself or if he just, you know, likes those moments, but he seems to be the guy when they need a basket, he has been the guy that's been getting them that. I mean, you can look to the North Carolina game when – he drew that early foul and he was on the bench and North Carolina kind of made that run and they went up by 10. And then the minute he checked back in, I think it was, he came down and hit a layup and then he hit a three pointer right on the next possession. And then right there started like a 17 to two run or 19 to two run and completely flipped the game. And then he did the same thing at Northwestern. It was kind of when they went on those, went on that run to kind of, you know, cut down Michigan's lead. It was, it seemed like it was Iggy every time, you know, stuff seemed to, to kind of hit a rough patch or adversity started to hit. He seemed to be the guy who would just get into the lane and, and make a bucket. So I think that's kind of been what has, what has stood out to me the most with uh, him so far with his start. Well, another player I wanted to uh, give credit to for his contributions, probably my favorite player for a lot of reasons, Isaiah Livers. Uh, he's just kind of a, a Swiss army knife. Uh, Coach B can do just about anything he wants with him. Yeah, definitely. I think, and I think the the biggest credit to him is that he kind of took on this the six man role. He doesn't he doesn't seem to you know he didn't powder you know complain that you know Ignace Brasdakis Brasdakis came in and took his spot. Considering you know Isaiah took over that starting role midway last season from from Duncan Robinson, but yeah, definitely Isaiah gives he is a versatile piece. We saw that he can play they, if Michigan decides to go small, he can play the five. He can actually play the three, four, or five. So he can play play three different positions. He knows you know, all the coverages, all the switches defensively to play those positions. Um, and, he, and he gives, you know, Michigan another a floor spacing option. As we know, he, he, like we said earlier, that corner three is really seems to be his, his bread and butter. And I mean, he knocked down, you know, four threes uh, against South Carolina and he hit a couple big threes late when South Carolina was hanging around and hitting those tough baskets to kind of stick around. He kind of helped uh, kind of put the game away there, but yeah, definitely the the versatility Isaiah provides is 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 key because, like we said, he can if they decide to go small that that small ball lineup that they that they use this season has been I, I don't know like the plus minus for it or how much they've outscored people, but it is it has been tough for 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 opposing teams to guard and just when that lineup is on the floor defensively, it's it's giving teams problems just because of Isaiah's ability to switch switch everything, switch screens, you know, switch um, and rotate when that lineup's on the floor. Um, but yeah, I think I've, I've been impressed with how Isaiah, you know, he's kind of, you know, just taken on this role. You know, he embraces it. He doesn't seem to to mind coming off the bench. Definitely coming off yeah. the bench, he gives Michigan a, a vital piece, both on defense, a guy who can guard multiple positions, and then on offense, he's a guy who can, you know, obviously knock down the three and help help space the floor. Developing some depth in the rotation, James, is something Coach B wants to work on in December. 
Does this team need more than a seven-man rotation once the Big Ten season arrives to compete? I don't know about that. I think it's I think the thing is that John Beeline wants to just have guys ready in case because we know the Big Ten season can be a grind. So, I mean, you look at the starters, it seems like every guy's playing, you know, 30-plus minutes a game. Um, so it just – I think he just wants to get the, – the two, the two main guys, the two main freshmen he wants to get ready just in case are, you know, forward Brandon Johns Jr. and then guard David DeJulius. Um, to have them ready just in case of – you know, if a guy's slumping, if there's foul trouble, if there's an injury, um, certainly they have proven they do not need more than a seven-man rotation, and that could be the case throughout the Big Ten season. They may not, they might not go more than seven or eight guys deep in a game. I think the thing is that just uh, John Beeline wants to have guys, you know, ready to step in if they need to. You know, maybe for stretches, whether it's you know a four-minute stretch or a five-minute stretch. You know, like we said, if if there's if foul trouble creeps up, if if it's, you know, a guy's just having an off night, you know, he's just not making much of an impact um, to maybe just come in. Um, but I don't think they need to have more than a seven-man rotation. As we've seen, they've done quite fine without it um, so far. Um, I think it's more so just kind of having that, you know, these options at the ready in case, you know, stuff happens, you know, maybe unexpected, you know, like we said, an injury um, or or something happens. Um that they can have guys ready to to step in at a moment's notice, but they have proven. I mean, just look at look at the score so far. I mean, they've won mm-hmm. almost every game by double digits so far. Um, that they can definitely make it work. Um, but yeah, the two guys that they want to get ready is you know Brandon Johnson, David and Julius, because Brandon can play maybe those backup minutes um, behind Teske if they don't you know want to go small with Isaiah at the five. He he would probably take over those minutes that Austin Davis has been getting. Um, and then, and then David and Julius has, could provide, you know, give Xavier Simpson's a breather, a breather, um, you know, maybe for a couple minutes at a time if, if needed. And uh, I mean, but the thing about two with at the point guard is that David has so much more to learn, obviously, you know, commanding the offense. And then Michigan also has several other options they can go to at the point of Xavier has to sit, you know, whether that's Eli Brooks, he obviously started there last season, he knows the offense and he can run it. And then, They've also at times they've had Jordan Poole just, you know, push the ball up the floor. It's, I mean, they don't really need a point guard on the floor per se. I mean, they just need a guy to kind of get them in there if they're running their half-court offense, you know, just to get them in their half-court set. Um, so I think Brandon might be that the guy who's maybe um, would be the first person you'd see kind of get into the rotation if he if he's able to crack it um, just because he doesn't have as much to learn as David and Julius. But then I know David is another guy that they're trying to get up to speed and and bring along as, as soon as possible just so they have those those options if they need them. But I think the seven-man rotation they have has been working uh, just fine so far. Well, we have three games uh, left in December, a lot of time for practice, which I know Coach B talked about last week, that he likes that. There are a lot of things to work on. Then in January, of course, uh, it gets real with a very, very tough Big Ten schedule. With us today, for really the first time uh, since the football season ended, we've talked hoops and I think it's just going to be a great season. Our guest has been beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News. James, as always, thank you for your time. And as soon as we roll into the new year, we'll get you back. All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me, Mike. Quick hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew.
On Quick Hits today, practice is underway for the Peach Bowl. I suppose we'll find out in the coming days if any other players will be sitting out to avoid injury. As of this morning, only Rashawn Gary is not going to play. In the coming weeks, we'll have our bowl preview shows and an early signing show with Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. After the new year, we'll always have football news, but the focus of the show is going to turn to Michigan basketball and what should be a fun season as Coach B does his magic. So make sure you tune us in each week for that. It's going to be a busy winter on the Michigan sports scene. That's it for this week, though. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Until next time, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!